Hi guys and welcome to episode 6 of Babbling Brummies. Today we're joined by, obviously Chris is the new full-time member of our podcast and we're joined by a new guest today which is Mike, who's a massive Watford fan and today we're going to be talking more about the relegation battle, where we think obviously teams stand and Mike's going to go into some detail about Watford and how he feels they're going to get on through the next few months. And it could get quite a bit fi- like quite fiery actually. Um with some strong opinions about some of the teams down there. Jay, Jay just had a, a, a quick chat with us beforehand about how he feels about Burnley. I'm I'm sure we'll get into that as the podcast goes on. But um yeah, is it, I'm excited for this one. Same, buzzing for this, buzzing for this. So yeah, let's just open it up really. Um so go on Mike if you want to you know talk about how you think Watford have been this season, any you know, any good points, any really bad points, you think? Well, yeah, the really bad point is we're 17th at the table. <laughs> so, uh, that's, <laughs> I think that's the best place to start at the moment. But I think it's inconsistency, I think. Um, it's really frustrating. It's been topsy-turvy as Watford always have been and obviously recent COVID stuff. We had an outbreak and Burnley have, you know, meant to be playing tonight on Tuesday, but they've called it off because of... Covid slash their best players at the African Cup of Nations and then their second best player is um, he, he has been sold to Newcastle. So yeah, it's it's been frustrating. Um, but I, we've got some more winnable games coming up. And after the draw against Newcastle, even though we needed three points, I'm a little bit more hopeful um, that we can we can pull through. And we've made some defensive sort of reinforcements since yes. we've signed him. And that's what we need, because you can tell what Ranieri is trying to do, but he just hasn't had the defenders in place to do it. Going forward, absolutely fine, but defensively, shambolic at times. Well, yeah, there's always that. When teams come up, especially, there's always either the we attack and score loads or we defend and, you know, don't score many goals. But you boys in front of goal don't seem to be that much of an issue. It's more them slight errors every so often in every game there's one or two at their mic and it just seems to cost you a little result here or there uh, it, it, there is yeah you know we've conceded 37 goals in the league which i think he's like the third or fourth most in the league obviously norwich newcastle conceding the most this season but on the flip side you know we scored 23 goals and you know that that's generally tends to be the average uh, for sort of the, the, the lower part of the table. So, you know, we we know where the back of the net is. We've got Emmanuel Dennis, who's eight goals already this season. We've got Josh King, who's not shy of a Premier League goal in his career. Uh, and Ishmael Assar, before he got injured, everybody knows what he can do. So, yeah, you know, going for, and let's not forget as well, Jao Pedro as well. But going forward, as you say, we've, we've been absolutely superb. It's just defensively, it's not quite worked out. No, um, I think I fully agree. Um, in your quick opinion, you know, who do you think goes down? If I was to ask you right now, uh, if you're asking to ask me right now, it would obviously have to be the, the current bottom three. I don't know whether it would be in that order. I do think the bottom four, as it is now, will be the bottom four this season. I think there's too big a gap. You know, there's a five-point gap between us in 17th and Everton in, in uh, 16th. So I, I think the bottom four is the bottom four for the rest of this season. Uh, but I, I'd, 
I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say we're going to be the ones that stay up. But I think Norwich will give a real good go at it because Dean Smith, I know you're a blue nose, Jamie, but I think Dean Smith's a, a brilliant manager for a club like Norwich and they'll have a right good go at it. So, yeah, um, we'll stay up and the bottom three will stay as it is. I did say, like, when after his first game, I turned around and I said to John on the podcast, I said, like, my issue is at the start of the season, you'd look at Norwich and go, gone. But now, after a few weeks of Dean, you're kind of going, actually, hang on, like, yeah. where are they getting these results from? Like, and they're doing good. They are. They're doing well. Um, Chris, what do you think? Who do you think's going up? Who do you think's going down? Like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting you're saying about uh, Dennis and his eight goals. Um, he, he scored the same amount of goals as as Ronaldo and Son. Like, that that's the firepower you got, and. Uh, I just I can't I can't believe how how low you are down on the table. Like genuinely, you've got him. You have got King, who's just he's waiting for for Dennis to take a day off so that he can get a couple of goals in. Um, I, but it's just it's just not it's not clicking. I'm I'm not as worried as I was before the Newcastle game. Um, I mean, I bet you sighed a huge sigh of relief when Pedro just got that goal last minute. Uh, yeah, against the tune. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean it was, it was a sigh of relief and it, it was more about bloody time. Like, mm. I will take a draw because obviously it means that we haven't lost, you know, that would have been the eighth game in a row. But really, it was a poor goal to concede and we really should be winning those games. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really a good one. Um, but yeah, more relieved, as you say, than anything to actually come away with something. Because if we'd have lost that, then, you know, I'd be sitting here now saying, how oh, we're going down this season. Yeah, I, th- I think most people would, would probably agree. Not not because they've got anything against Watford, but because of the fact that Norwich won their game. And that that's just a huge mental thing for them to be able to get a win on the board, go right, they're out their form. You know, Newcastle have had two draws on the bounce. You just had a draw. Um, like, those teams are starting to it's starting to become scrappy. It's starting mm. to become a bit fighty fighty at the bottom. Um and I, I, I think I think you're safe. I think you've got enough firepower to so like Norwich is your next game, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. They're like hugely um depleted at the back. They don't really have a defence. They just kind of hope the person misses. Um and uh you've got some really good goal scorers, so I, I think you, you'll just out outscore the bottom, the bottom four, uh, bottom three. Really, I'm I'm kind of worried about Everton. I know no one's talking about Everton, mm. um, but uh, I think with with the change of manager Major and Rafa. yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, <laughs> the rumours about that. Yeah, was it Project Toffees or something? And um, yeah, I'd be more more worried about Everton than Watford. I know that sounds absolutely outrageous considering the five point gap but uh, I, ju- I just think Dennis is he's just unbelievable I, d- I don't think you can deny him any more points um, yeah, I think he's I been think, really unlucky I think the thing with Everton what you got to remember is yeah they've been on a horrendous run of form you know we beat them 5-2 at Goodison Park and oh, I really didn't see that one coming and I think the, 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 the players have got in that squad are nowhere near worthy being where they are in the table. And I think that any new manager coming in, other than Rafa Benitez, who obviously had a stinker of a time, you know, you're looking at the his CV over the years, he's absolutely magnificent. 
a man that's been rumoured to take over Rafa Benitez is Jose Mourinho, another man whose CV is terrific. But you, you often find that these managers from yesteryear who were having brilliant sort of careers, the, 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 the game of football is now catching up with them, so to speak. Jose Mourinho, not the manager that we, we, we used to love and know. You know, was brilliant at Chelsea. He's, he's sort of stumbled a bit since Tottenham, Man United. I, I don't know how he's getting on at Roma. I, I, I don't watch enough, but I, I know enough to know that it's not going all smoothly for him. And I think Rafa Benitez falls under that category now. Unfortunately for him, football's evolved too much and he's not been able to keep up. I think you stick anyone in there that has a little bit of grit and determination about them and will get the players fighting for the badge and that Everton team will start flying up the table again. I know they've got Big Dunk in charge, in interim charge. If he was to have a few games, I could guarantee that um, they will pick up points in those games and, and we probably won't even think about them come, I don't know, well, sort of March, February time. Um, so I think they'll have enough about them to stay up. But yeah, it, it is quite crazy to see Everton down where they are. I don't think they'll set the league alight, but I definitely see them no, no, no. between 14th and 10th. Like oh, safely no. just chilling yeah. and flying up. And I think yeah. one of the things you said there about fighting for the badge as well, I think one of the teams down there who's in that at the moment is Newcastle. And I don't know if you saw a few weeks ago, uh, it was Trippier's first game, I think it was, or one of his first games in the FA Cup when um, Newcastle lost. And to Cambridge, yeah. Yeah, and Trippier was there like applauding the fans and all the, like, most of the team, less than Eddie Howe said after the game about the basically how he's disappointed in the players who left after the fans had stuck there through losing to a, a team two leagues below. And I think one of the big problems Newcastle is going to have this season is 90% of their players know that they're not going to be in the plans for next year. And Ooh, I don't yeah. think they will fight for the team as much as the other teams down there. And I think that will be a real struggle. I think it depends who they bring in because obviously the players they bring in, they see for the next couple of years probably. Um, and, that, and they will start, I think, showing what they have but if if they don't bring in quite a few players in january which they are running out of time at, i i can see a lot of these players not really giving their all because they know that next season they're going to be shipped off to a championship team or right i mean the, the quality of players they've got probably a championship team and I, I i like what you said about everton that they do have quality and they do have players who love the team i mean you look at some of their players who've been there for for ages like Seamus Coleman and that Michael Keane still there Michael Keane people like that they will be fighting players who came up from the youth in their teams they'll be fighting to keep Everton in the league and I, and I personally don't see Everton in too much trouble so I think that they've got a lot of quality and um, I think they'll start to push away when they get a new manager who's not I mean we don't know the ins and outs but it seems like there's a bit of disruption in the dressing room especially with like Rickarlison, uh, who I don't really like his attitude, but Rickarlison just yeah. looks like a, <laughs> an egotistical maniac. Like, yeah, he's he's very. He, he seemed like when he got subbed off. It was a few games ago when um, I can't remember who they bring on Rondon. They brought Rondon on, and he looked like he just threw his toys out of the pram when he got subbed off. And he had an awful game that game. So, yeah, but are you telling me you wouldn't throw your toys out of the pram if you got subbed off for Rondon? But but I think Rondon <laughs> changed the game that day. Though. He, he did, and I would. <laughs> it's still Rondon. But I would if I was playing well. But Ricardson was playing rubbish. Yeah, he was crap that game. He, I could not see him doing anything in that game. And 
I can understand maybe being frustration, but the way he did, the way he came off, I don't know what it just, it just mm. d d didn't go right with me. Oh, but I, I still see, I still see Everton staying up. Uh, I don't see Leeds or Brentford getting dragged down into it, and I, I, I think with Mike, I'm the same. Bottom four are going to be the bottom four, and I think a lot of it depends on Newcastle's business in these last few um, weeks of the transfer market. If they bring in some decent players. It could be very tight, I think. But I suppose the other issue with Newcastle, as we've seen many times when teams get a bit of money, you can't just buy 10 players and expect them to play hmm. straight away with each other. It just doesn't happen. Well, you see Fulham, you see Villa. Yeah, like, ago, how many yeah. times have we seen this happen now? Like, But they've got a bigger problem. As well, I, 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 I'm going to throw it out there. I don't think Eddie Howe's a good manager. I think he's massively overrated. <laughs> I I think he's, he's nothing to do yeah. with my hatred for Bournemouth from all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying this to JD, but I think he's a one-team manager because not a lot of people know that when he was at Bournemouth, he actually left after a couple of seasons there. Went, went to Bournemouth. The, yeah, was, uh, and did awful. Yeah. And then went back to Bournemouth and, and brought him up. And there's some players who are one-team players. And I honestly think Eddie Howe might be that one-team manager. I don't know if he'll be able to do it elsewhere. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think they've got other problems as well, though. Like... You saw how much they pay for Chris Wood. Like, they paid more than than United paid for Ronaldo. He's and you just like number nine, mate. You back up. <laughs> Leave New Zealand no, number nine alone. No, like. no, but it's outrageous. Outrageous. How, how expensive is that? If you don't more, want more expensive than Ronaldo, million pounds. Oh. How much did you spend on Emmanuel Dennis? Um, three and a half million. <laughs> oh, that's the price I want. I'll pay that. Oh, I think it would have been a decent signing if that price tag wasn't associated with it. Like if yeah, it was I mean, five to ten million. He knows how to score in the Premier League. It, it could be decent, but yeah, not for that money. I think they panicked there, Newcastle. They thought, crap, we need a striker in. Who's available? And they've seen Chris Wood's price tag. They've mm. seen his release clause at 25 million and thought, we're the richest club in the world now. Sorry, send the blank check to him. Happy days, mm. we've got the money. At what point, as any manager, though, do you go, right, we're struggling for goals? I take, let's look at bottom of the league. <laughs> like, who, no, I think, what? I think John summed it up perfectly. I mean, I said this. I thought 25 million is ridiculous for him considering he's only scored three goals this season. But as John said, he generally tends to get around 10, 13 goals a season in the Premier League, which isn't a bad return at all, to be fair. It's not, but for 25 mil, you Oh, can't... no, absolutely, Joe, absolutely. Is is there a rumour, and I, and I say is there a rumour because I'm starting it here, but uh, <laughs> is, there, is there a theory then that, you know, they've paid that and they've paid his release clause because they know they're robbing Burnley of their striker as well? So not only are they gaining a bang average striker for way over the odds, they're also removing that key first team player 90 minute man from Burnley to stick the knife in so that they definitely go down so they, they definitely don't fight up because there's only one point between them and Newcastle know yeah. how hard it must be to get a striker at the moment if they're yeah. they going for Chris, uh, Chris Wood yeah. I mean, they know there's not many strikers available do, in January do they not have the god tier centre forward that is Ashley Barnes He's massively fallen out of favour. I did a podcast the other week with a Burnley fan when the original game was meant to be played a few weeks back. And um, he was basically dis he was asking me about Troy Deeney leaving and, and whatnot. And I says, look, Troy's a legend. And unfortunately, 
you know, some things have an expiry date and his time at Watford, it was the right time to leave, etc. Which I, I'm a massive Troy fan and I, I hated him leaving. But if I'm taking my Watford tinted glasses off, it was the right time for both, you know, for both parties. And that Burnley fan actually said that he wishes Ashley Barnes would be like that, which surprises me because I thought he was one of their big hitters, to be honest. Yeah. He was always good for a goal, weren't he? There was that time yeah. when it would be him and Wood up front and it would literally yeah. be the ultimate kind of just send the ball, root one the life out of it. Where's your 2012 Stoke City, Tony Pulis football <laughs> style? Like, full send, headers, in you go. Like, he's a good player. I don't know. I think, he's, I think it's pretty shameful that they're not going to play him. If they don't play him now, it's disgusting. I think They've it's hard no with a club like Burnley, though, because they have very different to every other team in the Prem. They are a team who buy players... Well, other teams probably do this way. They buy players to fit Burnley rather than they'll buy superstars. <laughs> like, they've got a very certain style. Like, they don't go and splash the cash on a, a mega star just because it's available. They'll find a player who fits their system. And maybe Sean Dyche's thought at the moment is not, well, not fitting it. I think this is why I, I get asked this quite a lot about uh, when Sean Dyche was at Watford and he he obviously led us to our highest finish in the championship. I think it was 13th and for Watford at the time, that was brilliant. The Pozzos took over in 2012. Their first decision as the owners, they got rid of Sean Dyche after he led us to the highest finish and brought in Gianfranco Zola. And, um, you know, quite a few people have asked me on podcasts that I've been on, you know, do you wish that you kept Deutsch? Do you wonder what would happen if you had Deutsch? And I think you've just summed it up perfectly there, John. I think he will have a big hand in, he will have a big say, sorry, in the transfers that go on at Burnley, which is very rare for a manager to do so now because of the models of the managers. You're more like head coaches or stuff like that and directors of football in charge, etc. But I think Deutsch is the type of person that his voice won't go miss, not only because it sounds like he eats gravel for breakfast, but also because... <laughs> <laughs> He's quite an authority figure. So, um, I think you have to look... The reason that they sign, as we would label them, as Brexit footballers, we all joke about. But the reason that he does is I don't think that the foreign lads coming in from Spain to a cold, you know, Lancashire Knights will take to the style of football that Sean Dyche plays. And I think that's the reason we parted once with him. We obviously brought in a large influx of loanies from... Granada and Udinese at the time and I think that you put all of them together and you've got this big Englishman Sean Deutsch shouting orders I just don't think it's going to work so I think that's why they style their sort of recruitment style on, on the particular football well particular footballer that we associate with Burnley hmm. <laughs> It's interesting to talk about Brexit footballers and, and the way that the managers sort of gel, like the old school manager, the old guard of managers and the way that they used to do it. I remember Cardiff when, when Neil Warnock, which I, and I'd put him and Sean Dyche in a, in a very sort of similar category of manager, um, had a, he had a, he had a bust up with Sol Bamba on the pitch because Sol had, a, had enough of Neil Warnock shouting all this stuff at him during the match. And I went to the, Neil Warnock's first game at home and he turns around and he's like, he's swearing at the left back and it's like so loud like louder than the away fans, obviously, and uh, yeah, and, and I, but I think there is an expiry date on on the way that that works, um, and I think you see Neil Warnock 
obviously he's like my favourite manager of all time. But Neil Warnock's fallen out of favour. Sean Dyche is I think he's I think he's fallen out of favour. I think he's on his way out. I don't think the way that he manages is the way that these players grow up to and I think it I don't think it's working anymore. Like look at if you look at the players they've got at Burnley, um like they've got a world class goalkeeper, like an international, like renowned goalkeeper. Um in Wayne Hennessy, and they just don't use him. Um, but uh... <laughs> I no, but they, they, so they've got like players like Nick Pope and and Aaron Ramsey and like uh, Aaron Lennon, not Ramsey. Oh, I wish. Uh, no, but they've got these players that can that can play or that used to be able to play, and. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, th- I think, from in my opinion, anyway, Burnley are just holding on to those like relics of players that used to be good, um, and uh, that aren't like Vidra. Do you know what I mean? Like, when oh, when was last time he was good? Yeah, yeah fine. Yeah, what a, what a player, great. But yeah, exactly right. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if uh, if they've got it anymore. If they've got it anymore. But no, um, when was the last time Burnley had a like a? <clears throat> an amazing player they've always managed they've had a really done a really good job Sean Dyche really has done a really good job are pretty much all their years in the Prem managing to keep them in the Prem without an amazing team without a team which breaks the bank without any I don't think I've ever known Burnley in the Prem correct me if I'm wrong anybody have one standout player like a lot of teams do especially down at the bottom you had looked not in the prem they didn't but i would immediately point to kieran trippier in the champ and danny ings in the season that went up Uh, i think this new lad they brought in as well maxwell corney um he was linked with us a couple of times he was a left back in france he's playing up front now and he's banging in the goals obviously he's at afghan at the moment but um yeah you're probably looking back in the championship for a standout player I think definitely. I said to we had a joke about this the other week, didn't we, John? I said, imagine if like a Louis Van Gaal took over Burnley. Imagine the culture shift. <laughs> How long that would take? I think a change in manager for Burnley would be a, a crazy thing at the club. Like it would literally be a, any manager pretty much coming in will be a complete culture shift. And I mean, you look at the bottom four teams at the moment, the ones which a lot of us. I know Chris said Everton might get dragged in as well. Burnley, the only one who hasn't changed manager this season, and I think it would be detrimental if they did because of how based around Sean Dyche this team is. But like what uh, Watford had a change in manager, Norwich had a change in manager, Newcastle had a change in manager, and um, yeah, I think it, it, I, I don't see Burnley change their manager while they're in the Premier. I think the only way Sean Dyche leaves is if he chooses to, or they get relegated. I think he, if they get relegated, I think if Sean Dyche he's looking after his best interests he has to leave yeah yeah like there's there's teams in Spain like Granada and that that would happily take him on so he'd be right over there <laughs> take all the English boys yeah. over there um, <laughs> Brexit I think the, there. the other thing is if you're looking at managers especially we're entering squeaky bomb time for a lot of teams down there and Sam Allardyce will start to appear out of a cave at some point like <laughs> he's going to jump in to take over someone I'd be careful Mike like you know Ranieri starts to get a bit sketchy you might see Allardyce just you know jogging over I'd have taken him a couple of seasons ago when we got relegated but we uh, we brought in Nigel Pearson at the time so <laughs> I, was, I was interested in this uh, Mike were you happy with uh, the manager decision to uh, for Ranieri to take over um, yeah, yeah I think, I think 
Cisco Munaf did a brilliant job in getting us promoted. Um, it wouldn't be Watford without them asking for the managers on a silver salver. And, you know, believe me, there were times when even Cisco Munaf's you know, time Watford was being questioned and, you know, we had some horrendous results. I remember we drew nil-nil at Coventry last season and uh, actually it was behind closed doors and it was so bad, like, it was shocking. And people were like, right, if we lose the next game, he could well be gone. And, you know, we were talking about a manager that had not even had six months at the club and people were like, oh, well, there were even fans and I, I, don't even, I don't even want to call them fans, but there were even fans that were saying, I will take a loss against Bristol City just so he loses his job because the football's horrendous. And then we went and turned Bristol City 6-0. So, uh, and that's when the brilliant run started and we got promoted. But no, look, he, he deserved his shot at the Premier League. He was massively underqualified. He got special dispensation from the Premier League to manage in the Premier League because he didn't have the current Premier League badges or the coaching badges to coach in the Premier League. Uh, but he was doing them at the time in the background. But at the time of him managing in the Premier League, he didn't actually have the um, specific qualifications that are needed. Um he tried in the Premier League. We knew it was going to be massively out of his depth. There was no substance to his game plan whatsoever. Um, I was saying before we started recording, I don't get to go to many games nowadays, but uh, I went to the Leeds game uh, away earlier in the season and they hadn't won a single game up until they played us and they, they beat us 1-0. And it was genuinely like Cisco had said, right, this is a starting eleven out on the pitch you go and not told them how to play. It was There was just nothing to us. So to bring Ranieri in, obviously, again, another manager who's had great TV, managed some brilliant teams, won the league with Leicester. Yes, he then went to Fulham and didn't do too great. But I think overall, he's a manager that you can see what he's trying to do with the squad. And uh, I, I think... Now we've got these defensive reinforcements, as I said earlier. I think we'll start to reap the benefits of uh, having Claudio Ranieri as manager, uh, hopefully, anyway. I think, and I've said this a few weeks ago, Michael, and I'll say it again now. Like, If we look at your goal difference, you've lost 13 games a season, but you're only minus 14. It looks to me, and I could be wrong, because obviously I don't watch every Watford game, that you are literally one decision, one moment of idiocy in the team. Yep. picking up results every time like and it's that one little moment that the tin command you know, it will eventually click into place i think for me yeah i i think it's frustrating for us because as you say at one stage we were the most sporadic team in the premier league you know we we lost 5-0 to Liverpool at home in Ranieri's first game. And then we went and beat Everton 5-2. And everyone was like, brilliant. You know, this is a new manager bounce. Liverpool was a free hit. Southampton at home next. A team that were in and around us at the time. Hopefully, five goals going into this game. And uh, the lads will be buzzing. And we go and lose 1-0 to Southampton at home. So, uh, And then we lose to Arsenal 1-0. Again, I was at that game, luckily. And defensively, we were solid. Um, and then after that, we go and beat Man United 4-1. And then we lose to Leicester 4-2. And then we, we have a really good game against Chelsea and lose 2-1. So we were really up and down. Like We must have been a, a, a gambler's nightmare in terms of one week we could be absolutely shocking. And the next week, we could go and stick five past an Everton side. So 
Um, yeah, it, it is generally tends to be one moment of stupidity. And unfortunately for us, that one moment of stupidity tends to come with William Schuster Kung on the pitch, who's really struggled to make the step up. And I got massively slated, like on my podcast when I called him out after the Leeds game earlier in the season. The amount of comments I got saying, that's really unfair about Schuster Kong and all this. And now everyone else is saying it. And I'm like, see, I told you. But he's currently out at AFCON at the moment. You're so, entitled uh, to your opinion yeah. as a football fan. Like, you I am, mate. But... You've watched this team for years. You know, I'm not... You know, I'm not calling you Jose Mourinho, but you look at a player and you can tell straight away, you know, after the first couple of games of the Premier go, he's got a mistake in him. He makes me nervous. Probably, you're not saying he's he's crap, you're just saying we could probably do it, but grading. And there you don't want him centre-back. <laughs> you know, um, he's not yeah, I mean, captain, and he as well. Yeah. He is, yeah. I don't know how he's plugged that one. But... <laughs> I mean, he's a YouTube star now as well, so pay his respects, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh wow! I think um, looking at this bottom four, I don't know if you guys agree, but every team in that bottom four has a. I don't know how how the best way to say this. I could, I could argue a reason why they'd stay up, and I mean you have Newcastle the obvious reason money who they're bringing in, uh, Norwich. You see Dean Smith is I I, I like Dean Smith as a manager. And as we said earlier in the pot, he's starting to bring Norwich together. Burnley, you've got a, a resilient Burnley side who have always been resilient all their time in the Prem. Um, very hard. Well, they have all, they have been hard to play against. And if they can bring that back and start getting some results, they have the games in hand at the moment. You could argue they, with their expertise in survival, might, might be able to do it. And then also Watford, who I've always liked Watford. Um, I've, well, uh, last few seasons especially I think they play um, good football I love I love some of the signings they make so even from a few years ago was it um, Delefeu yes. and stuff like that I, I, I just love I just because of stuff like that I, I love them and they have a decent team they have a very strong especially attacking I think um, team probably the best attacking team out of them four teams down there you can make an yeah. argument for well, each definitely. and every one of them and, uh, I, yeah, I I would disagree with Burnley. I think I get exactly what you're saying. That you know, Sean Dodge somehow always manages to keep them up, no matter how bad they might have started. But I think this season, they've not looked like showing any fight at all. Like you know, they they went to Manchester United, I think, last season or the season before, and they give them a good game and you know Man U's record recent record against Burnley at Old Trafford doesn't tend to be too great um, and you know Manchester United won comfortably in a run where they were playing horrendously and I just think that that thing that we associate with Sean Dyche's team that is what is missing from Burnley at the moment Hmm. Um, so I think that they're the only ones that aren't showing any fight. Dean Smith, um, you know, I think he was unbeaten in the first three games at, at Norwich. We knew that they were going to be a shifting emphasis when he took over. And then they went back to their normal ways, you know, got hammered by Crystal Palace, lost to Tottenham, I think. So, you know, they, they lost quite a few games and everyone was like, OK, Norwich had gone for... They beat an Everton um, at the weekend, which is a, a huge result, regardless of how poorly Everton are doing. Uh, they've got us on Friday night. They'll fancy their chances at, at, at 
against mm, Storts. Big game. Um, That's a I, giant I don't know what six point. Looking like after us. Massive. Mate, I'm, I am not ready for this. The, the amount of beer <laughs> that I'm going to need to buy for that game is going to be horrendous. But yeah, I, I think Norwich. I think other than that, John, I think Norwich. You know, they're, they're going to give it a good go. Dean Smith's not going to go down without a fight. Um, Newcastle. It will be interesting to see if they can bring in that. That lads from Sevilla, the centre-backs, handed in a transfer request because he wants to go to Newcastle. Uh, I, I forget his name. Is it Diogo Costa? Um, D- Douglas Costa. Douglas Costa, Douglas yeah, Costa for Sevilla. We come on you should know, he, mate. He's an absolute yeah, unit on FIFA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's <laughs> told Pace. Sevilla that he wants to join Newcastle. Oh, yeah. That's a uh, great career move that he's get relegated. But, <laughs> and Newcastle, as you say. But I just think Burnley, I think the one thing that they always have had, they are lacking this season. Like any time I've watched them in, they just show no signs of... No grit. Any signs of I think, yeah. I, like, I, I remember quite clearly... It was three or four years ago, Burnley. You knew Burnley because I'd just literally throw anything in front of a ball to stop it going in. And like that's how you knew what like, how Burnley defended. It wasn't classic defending. It wasn't like last-ditch tackles. It wasn't like um, one-to-one marking. It was throw yourself in front of a ball and stop the other team from Whatever scoring. Whatever it takes, <laughs> that ball does not go into that net. It yeah. is that. That was their whole game plan. I think... Um, Jack Sikowski has been absolutely brilliant and I think he's been worthy of an England call up times and I don't know why I can hear him already in a Leicester shirt like is it a signing that Leicester will make like mm-hmm. he's guaranteed to have that has got Leicester written all over it and I said on this podcast on a Burnley podcast he was like if you could have an unrealistic sign who would it be I said I'd take Tarkowski thinking yeah, he was going to say oh, I knew you'd say that everyone and he goes I will drop him there for you and I'm like what this guy's been immense and apparently he's been absolutely shocking this season but he's coming up to the end of his contract in the summer so I mark my words now he will end up at Leicester because the last few years there's been people calling for like for the England call-ups for him I remember um, even like three seasons, two, three seasons ago, people were saying like he he's yeah. he, he could start for England, especially with England's centre back crisis. I'd say probably the weakest part of the England team. What Harold fraud Maguire? Wow, well, yeah. I will still die on that hill. He's <laughs> a fraud. I don't care. <laughs> we won't go into that here. Might I'm be a whole new than podcast. Harry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take anyone. Hundred meter sprint. I'd beat Maguire in a race. Don't care. He's but slow. That's interesting. <laughs> though. I think you always have to take. The word of fans of the team, because they're the ones who watch this team week in week out, analyze the play, and like we we can watch the highlights of match of the day. We can maybe catch a Burnley game if it's on um, Sky or BT or something. But when you actually speak to the fans who watch pretty much all the games or at least the highlights of every single Burnley game and take a lot of notice, you sort of have to take their word on it, don't you? With stuff like this, so that's really interesting. You said Absolutely. That. And, and just think how bored you would have to be to think I'm actually going to watch. Burnley game. I was in my head. I was literally just thinking, how painful must ninety minutes of Burnley football be? Like I, I had to deal with 20, 20, 2008 to twenty twelve Alex McLeish, and my goodness, I, I thought that was like a sentence. But and I know he won us the cup, but his football was painful, man. Like on the note of Burnley, while we're on this subject, do we think they're taking the Michael a wee bit with this old? claim COVID yep well I, I think a lot of teams are I don't, yeah. I don't think I think it's it's probably unfair to uh, 
say it's just Burnley because I think Liverpool did it, United have done it, um, like I even the big clubs have done it. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's just they saw a loophole. Someone did it first, and then they've all gone. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, we, um, yeah, we got the COVID as well. So yeah. I, I, can we postpone I, it? I, yeah, I think as well. There, there's, I'm seeing a lot of things on Twitter, and the only reason I know this is I listen to another football podcast. A lot of people are saying, well, they've they they played the FA Cup game Burnley did against Huddersfield, or a, a lot of people are saying, hang on a minute, they can play FA Cup games, but they play league games mm. now the interesting thing about that is it's because of the governing bodies so the fa states that in the fa Cup, you you have to play as long as you have the the minimum players and that's not in because premier league have got you've got to have 13 players two of them have got to have played senior minutes before if they're from the under 23s or something like that whereas the fa Cup is it doesn't matter if they're under 23s or under 18s. If you have big enough squad to fill using senior squads, under 18s and under 23s, you play that game. And a lot of people are thinking, well, why can't I carry that forward? Hmm. It's because the Premier League have a different ruling to the FA. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of that at the moment. But I think Chris summed it up perfectly there. You know, it's not just Burnley uh, as much as Jamie hates them. <laughs> I just think they take the absolute mick, man. Like, I think you can't sell your striker. You can't sell like one of your, you know, your only chances of scoring decent goals and having a chance, and then suddenly play the boy who cried wolf and go, oh well, actually no, hang on, we got Watford coming up and uh, they're probably going to batter us, so we can't play. Sorry, no. no. But that's what Liverpool did with the the Afcon. They just went, oh, Manny and Salah have gone. We actually don't want to play Arsenal, who are in form right now. So, can we postpone that? Yeah. Okay. Done. And, and, and so, there is a lot of te- I mean, um, a few teams have done like like you said. A few teams have done that, and I think it was Gary Neville's been on a bit of a rant about it this last week, hasn't he? He's like, mm. and he's put, he goes, there's been like forty COVID cases in all the clubs. But there's been like two or three cancelled games. Like the maths doesn't add up, and that's not just players; that's coaches, um, or the staff as well. He's like the maths doesn't add up to, for these cancelled games. He goes, "There's something more." And yeah, it's it isn't just Burnley, but it is frustrating when it's such a big game in that relegation battle that it's um it is that game like could pull Burnley off the bottom and out of the relegation zone if they won that game. I mean, and look it's like at such a big game. Look at Watford. If Watford go on to, let's say, they beat Burnley now or they've beat Norwich, you're slapping up to 20 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, above Everton. Yeah, like it's. I just think. I think there's. I don't know how true it is. Obviously, you know they had that game against Tottenham and they got called off because of the snow. Yeah. And did you see there was a picture of Sean Dyche and he had the fattest grin. Going like as if to say, got away with that one. Like, he's just, it feels like he's just taking the mick now. Like, he's just pulling every card out here. And I think they have, they've got what a lot's called Wigan syndrome, where they, Wigan obviously stayed up for so many seasons and barely fought and got up and stayed up and barely stayed up. And then I think now, like Wigan, their time has come. But I think, like, you, you look at, let, let's use Liverpool as an example. And, Ethically, it might not be the right thing to do, but for a team who's trying to win the league and trying to catch up with Man City, it's a, it's probably the smart thing to do. And like, if if they find that loophole, 
And I mean, I don't think there should be a loophole there. And I don't know if I, I don't like it that teams can do this. But if they're delaying the time so that Mane, Salah, um, Matip, um, Keita, all these players can come back, why wouldn't they use that if it's there? Not saying it's the right thing, but why wouldn't they? Well, I don't think you're taking the players' consideration into not you personally, lot they are. Because in terms of this, will it will get to a point where it's going to be literally Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, yeah. Tuesday, Friday, mm. Saturday, like, and it's going to kill them. But wouldn't you? But but that's fine for those big teams because they've got the squads. It's not fine for like I I more expect it, and this might upset people, but I more allow it from Burnley than Liverpool mm. purely based on the size of the squads. Like yeah. Burnley might like we we just spoke about. They don't really have any standout. Uh, players, they had Josh Brownhill. He's kind of a flop, like the big ten million flop. But they don't really have anyone like big. Whereas, uh, so if they do lose a few players, that's really costly because they don't have those squads. Whereas Liverpool have 50 or 60 players. I'm exaggerating. Uh, that are um, that are available to them but that they, they should like, be using. They got a, a, a brilliant youth team, a brilliant youth system, and there's going to yeah. be players who have in that youth have been waiting for a moment yeah. to shine and they're probably looking ahead to AFCON going maybe I'll be able to play the wingers are out I'm a winger in this league maybe I'll be I'll be able to show what I can do and like I, I mean I'm, I'm arguing for it more just playing like devil's advocate on it I, I don't think it's the right thing to do but I, I, I do also see why they're doing it and I don't think they should but it's as a business decision if you want to get higher in the league I understand they're going to have loads more games come the end of season. But I'm pretty sure Jurgen Klopp will take loads more games with Salah and Mane back in their firing lineup and playing with Minamino, who was awful. I know he scored, but still awful. awful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think yeah. he would rather take that risk and, and do that then. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't like it. I think they need to change it. But also, if they don't change it, teams are going to exploit it. And how do we know people aren't just lying? Not no, literally you don't. saying, I've got COVID. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit ill. No, bit, of le- bit of lemon juice. I think you should, yeah, literally, uh, normal water does it, mate. Pour some tap water into an LFT, positive. Really? Yeah. I didn't know oh, that. that's, yeah, that's no. actually weird, because you've, you've told me that now. I didn't know that before, but I have actually posted test, a tested positive, so that's me done for 10 days. Oh, I mean, I was going to say, I really hope my work don't find out about the podcast, because <laughs> I'm quite used manually. <laughs> and uh, Mike, you didn't hear that from us, if you just want a couple of days off, mate. Just a little... <laughs> ah, I've, already, I've already had it, mate. So yeah, you can get a Delta this time, is not it? Do you know what I mean? Make up a new variant. Make a variant Yeah, it's a, Burn- <laughs> it's a Burnley one. It's very infectious. Yeah, I tell you what, after oh, that, oh, like, got that Dwight McNeil variant, boys. It's over. GG, like. Oh. I, I'm looking back at the table now. I'm quite surprised at a few of the teams who've made it out of this struggle. I mean, I, I'm Portsmouth fan, so I'm going to say this one. Southampton looked very weak. And I mean, I was desperate for Newcastle to snap up James Ward Prowse in the um, I think January window. And I, ho- I hope he does. I don't think he will. But um, I'm surprised at how many points they're putting together. I mean, um, I, I'm always going to have a, a negative look at them just because I'm a Portsmouth fan. But I'm surprised they've they've come out of that scrap because I was not worried for them. I was quite excited. But like, <laughs> I, I, I thought they were going to be in real trouble this year. And um, look at Brentford as well. We talk about this quite a bit on this podcast. They just You just don't know which Brentford team is going to um, come out. Is it going to be the team who... 
beat Arsenal first game of the season who who sometimes play brilliantly or is it going to be the Brentford team who have lost 10 of their games this season and quite often look quite weak um, but it's just it's for me there's plenty of other teams I'd rather see down the bottom because out of the four teams down there three of them I'd love to stay up I'd love Watford to stay up I'd love Norwich to stay up and personally I like Burnley I know Jamie doesn't but I, I, I like the fact that Burnley's this this team who don't spend a lot of money and it shows that teams can stay in the Premier without spending fifty million every every transfer market, and um, I'd rather some of these other teams go down. And it's quite sad that it's looking like it's three of these four teams who are going to get relegated. I would love Leeds to go down. I mean, I wouldn't I'd mind love Leeds, Leeds to, go down. to crumble now. I don't yeah. see it. No, I'd love it. Yeah, but, we um, all like Leeds. Uh, Wolves as well. I'd love them to go. Can't stand them. Where are Wolves in there? They're about to get Kiefer Moore as well, aren't they? So they're <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, def- they're definitely staying up. But uh, yeah, they're, they're a team that just sort of, you know, they, can they just spend the whole all their money on the Portuguese team? Um, and then the Dharma. It works. <sighs> yeah, it's it's Dharma. Working, like, yeah, like, that's true. Spend more money on Portuguese players or baby oil through Dharma's arms, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but it's baby oil. You don't ask questions, you know the answer to, Jack. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, so yeah, I'm, I'm sort of surprised about them. Southampton, I'm surprised about Villa, but obviously like, you I'm know. I'm not surprised about Villa personally, but no, yeah, I get you. Uh, yeah. I'm disappointed uh, with Villa, like, disappointed with Coutinho as a human being, if I'm honest. <laughs> like, I just thought he had morals. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. sad. Like, I think um, it might be good just to go uh, into an end of this podcast. Is to look at um, the other end of the table, and it's good to have Mike here, who's a fan of a Premier League team. We, uh, us three, we we Premier League fans, and in, in, in general, I, I watch at least two games every week, um, the full, full ninety minutes of it. But having a, a a person in who supports a Premier League team. We, we, a lot of, <laughs> You're going to stay up. A lot of people see Man City winning the league, and I, I see that too. Uh, it's quite hard to not see that at the moment. But where do you see the rest of the top four, and who do you see in that top four? And maybe throw fifth in there as well. Um, I mean, to be honest, before Chelsea had a bit of a wobble, I actually thought Chelsea were going to go and win it this year. Uh, mm. I just thought that Tuchel has really built something really, really good. Um, but it's um, it's not quite worked out. I mean, they're playing tonight. They're currently 1-0 up against, against Brighton. So, you know, they've sort of fallen off the boil a little bit. But, you know, Chelsea are... Uh, sorry, Man City are 10 points clear with mm. one game in hand as well. Uh, so that really is scary, but I can see. Um, I, I think top four this year will be Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, and I think Arsenal. I think yes. Arsenal will get four. Yeah. Um, Mikel Arteta has been under the cosh massively, you know, with his time at Arsenal. And uh, my best mate and my boss, um, he's, he's an Arsenal fan, and we often talk at work about it. And you know, they've given him time when they could have sacked him. You know, there were plenty of calls for his head last season, mm. but they've stuck with him and they're paying dividends for it now you know they're, they're they've they've recruited him really well you know they're after that young lad from Fiorentina that sounds like that could be going ahead mm. uh, Ramsdale's proven to be a brilliant uh, signing he's been unbelievable um, hasn't he Tomasi has been brilliant as well incredible you know, a yeah. bit of an unsung hero um, and they've 
Ben White as well, he's been solid. I, I thought he might flop a bit because of the price tag, but he's been superb as well. So things are clicking for Arsenal. Uh, I mean, I was actually at the FA Cup game because I live in Nottingham. One of the lads is a Forest fan. He got us tickets. So I was at Forest against Arsenal and Arsenal were horrendous, but it was largely a second string side. So, um, you know, the, well, the back line was anyway. Um, but other than that, they've been absolutely superb. So I can see them getting it. Yeah. I think West Ham have slipped up a bit too much recently. And I think top four was, their chance for top four was last season for yeah. me and they ultimately fell short at the last hurdle again uh, I think it was the last day I think thinking that meant that West sort of slipped out top four um, fifth I, I can Tottenham and I think Tottenham will make a good fist for fourth um, they're not really talked about that much in terms of their, their fight for the top four um, and like I say I think they'll short, fall short of top four but I think they'll comfortably get fifth Purely because Antonio Conte, you know, there, there was, you know, looking at it, the Tottenham job was a bit of a poison chalice at times. But um, Antonio Conte, I think he's a current manager that, you know, we talked about earlier, managers that have had good CVs, but maybe the game of football now catching up with them and their ideas aren't as used to be. Antonio Conte is superb for football right now. Hmm. Uh, he brings a real winner's mentality and I think he can get the best out of players. Uh, I think they'll get fifth, um, and yeah, Man U will will miss out on top five as well, and uh, West Ham, I think they'll miss out on the top five as well. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But I say interesting; it's pretty boring that Man City pretty much win it every year now, yeah, um, and the, the the fight for the top four. But um, yeah, that that would be my top five. I just again, Man City, a team. I just and I only dislike them with the whole they were meant to be banned from Europe for two years and then appealed it and they went, yeah, actually no, you know what, mate? Yeah, cool. You got loads of money, so go for it, mate. It'll, it'll you be can play. it'll be interesting when Pep leaves because he's leaving at the end of the contract, mm. isn't he? So yeah. it'll be interesting if I mean because I know people say they got loads of money and I mean they do have loads of money, uh, but they say that's the reason <laughs> they're top. But all the teams who are fighting for that top four are spending just as much as Man City. Maybe not on wages. I don't know the wage structures of the teams that well. But um, they're, they're all spending that much money. And, like, you have to give... I, I've been a very big cynic of Pep Guardiola. But he's... Last couple seasons, the consistency he's brought with Man City. That team is just an ultimate... Like, an actual ultimate team. Like, every position's got, like, two players who can do a job just as good as the other person. And, like, I think... Even though it's boring, and I'd love to see someone really challenge him like Liverpool did a couple seasons ago... Um, I think until Pep leaves, I don't think any team's going to overtake I, them or even get close to challenging them at the moment. It's it's interesting you say that, John, and I, I want to raise a question to you guys, purely based on something I saw on Twitter. Is a Watford fan actually said this, uh, and it got pulled up on BBC Five Live. He said, um, "Are Manchester City too boring?" Uh, hmm. In the sense of, you know, they play football like robots in terms of everything is perfect. Hmm. And, I mean, I certainly find it boring. You know, Man City, you know how they're going to play, but they're that good, you just can't stop them doing from what they're going to do. So I don't know if that's something that you guys agree with, but I certainly agree that they are probably too boring in terms of the style of play and how good they are at things but then you could flip that on its head and just 
say, well, you sit back and you just watch them and you're in awe of them. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Do they play beautiful football a lot of the time? Yeah, and it's yeah. lovely football to watch. But it is just a bit mare, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I find myself every time they're playing, I don't care who they're playing. I want the other team to win. My, my favourite game watching Man City this season, because quite often they are on TV and that's that's the game you watch really but one of my favourite games watching them actually was against Arsenal when for that first half they were against it Arsenal were, were the better team and even when Arsenal went down to 10 men and the way at the end they just had to press and press and press they finally got the goal at the end I didn't want them to I wanted Arsenal to win I think they, they would have won if uh, Martinelli scored that um, open goal but it, it was nice to see them struggling and <laughs> it's a really horrible thing to say about a team Nice, unless they're like your rivals it was nice to see them struggling and it was a bit sad that they won at the end but they were throwing everything at them. I don't think really this season they've, or even last season they've had to throw everything at many games and I think that's what it is I think maybe that perfect football is it's just too comfortable for them like it's it's like PSG should be in the in League 1 like there's no team who will ever get close to challenging them really I know last season there's a team who finished above them and that was that was amazing but in the general look of it, no team's ever gonna knock PSG off while they've got that money in there. Over that, but um, yeah, I get what you mean. It's it's very boring um, in the fact that you you sort of know the result for Man City before the game even starts. They had a, 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 a an average start to the season, a few poor games. They're still only lost two and drawn two in this whole mm. season, and without a real striker. I mean, that's that's incredible, really. But you know, if you look at a game against Chelsea, so it's very similar to the Arsenal game, John. I watched that game as well. I, I was great as a neutral just to enjoy it. Mm. Um, but they just they just played Chelsea and you just get a bit of brilliance from Kevin De Bruyne and they win 1-0. Like, was that the game that just happened? With that yeah. Goal from De, oh, that, that goal from De Bruyne. Oh, it just, my days. Just back and forth, though. Like, you, it was it was a good game. Like, it was, it was a fun game to watch. Um, so, I think it might be boring because, like, they've got a system and they stick to it. But at the end of the day, like if I'm if I'm a Man City fan, and they're you know you're nervous about every single game because you know how tight it is at the top, and you're playing a Chelsea team who most people think are going to get you know top three, and it's a tight game. You haven't got a striker anymore. Aguero's gone. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and then Kevin De Bruyne just like the clouds open, and he, he takes the ball. He turns right. He pings it. Scores. I don't know. I, I don't know how you can say it's boring. I mean, um, Kepa should have, uh, it was a Kepa mistake as well. I don't know if you saw that he shifted his weight to the right, but I do get what you mean. But it's so far out, you're not expecting him to shoot. Mm. Like, fine. Um, I don't know. I just I can't see it being boring if you if you're winning. Um, I, think, I think what a big thing is in Man City is that teams aren't good enough in generally to disrupt their game. Like, like you said, they've got a system that works, and if it works, they get they get the wins. And you look at the game against, I'll use Arsenal again as as an example because that was the game I saw where that system was disrupted. They they weren't able to play like they like to play. They weren't able to control the game like they usually do. And um, I think it wouldn't be as boring if if teams were good enough to do that. And I think if you're good enough to do an active high press like that, like I think your Liverpool's can do it like they can like obviously I'm not saying Watford can but obviously that game when you beat Man United 4-1 Mark it was all about the the up top press and it worked an absolute treat 
Like, big, obviously, yeah. Man City and Man United are two very different kettle of fish, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, like, when you're pressing a team, like Man City, they like having that bit of time on the ball. And I think if you are good enough to press them, I think they can be a little bit disrupted. Hmm. That's a good question, Mike. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I did. Mm. And it's interesting, your top five, we talked about this last, was it last week we talked about this? Yeah, yeah. And, um... Chris and Jay both know I'm a big I'm a big fan of Arsenal this season and the, the work Arteta's done. That is this young squad, like there's few experienced players in there, but a relatively young squad overall. I'd I'd assume probably the lowest average age in the Prem. Um and I, I, I love the fact that they stuck to it stuck with him and it, it's shining through. And we, and I, I might be wrong here, but I believe all all four of us all three of us said Arsenal top four as well, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So Arsenal's uh, average lowest average age is twenty five, and it is the lowest in the uh, in the Premier. Yeah. And that's with like playing Lacazette, who's like over thirty. Xhaka, don't know how old he is now. Granite red card Xhaka. Yeah. <laughs> how many reds is he going to get? Do you know what I mean? But yeah. So it's, it's and I don't know if we talked about fifth, but I would have probably put Tottenham fifth as well, just because Conte's a born winner. And they've got and the games in hand, haven't they? Got still? the games. I mean, you have to win these games in hand, but Conte. How many has he lost since coming in? I know, let's leave the Europa Conference League. Let's leave that alone. But apart from that, how many games has he actually lost since coming in? Is it one, maybe? Lost is... Yeah, I'm not sure. Loss. Um, I don't yeah. know. His first game. Pardon, sorry? His first game. first game. Oh, I don't know. Um, it's, it's been quite a while now. It's been a few months. I feel like his first game was a draw. I know he was the first Tottenham manager to not lose in his first eight games. They lost to United 3-0. Was he in then? No, I think that was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Their the first nil. game was a draw against Everton 0-0. And the only time they've lost is in the Europa Conference League twice and the EFL Cup twice. Other than that, they've won every... Well, they've either won or drawn a league game and I think with their three, four, five games in hand and the people above them, they've got. I mean, he's he's a winner. I I I think they could challenge four, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got fourth. But I, I I think Arsenal might get it just from the fact that. I mean, I just like Arsenal more, but yeah, <laughs> I hope they get it. And also, I think Harry Kane's been terrible this season. Yeah, that's sad. I, I wanted him to do well, but yeah. Yeah, you were supporting Spurs last season, weren't you? I was, but I hated the way that with the Super League when they sacked Mourinho to take the um, the spotlight off the Super League, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, I don't like teams who who run like that," and I don't like um, Levy either. Can someone, you know, four lads here, all football fans, explain to me how, on God's name, did Tottenham get into that Euro, like that Super League discussion? How did they even appear in it? How did that happen? That's how. Yeah. Harry Kane. At what point do you sit there as like this massive group and go right? This is going to be massive financial money. Da da da. Tottenham Hotspur. Who, <laughs> who did that? Don't <laughs> forget as well, Jay. They've got a massive stadium as well, which is probably the best football stadium in England. I've not been yet, uh, but the stadium will will draw a lot of players. In. And as Chris hmm. said, Harry Kane. You know, at the time he was a world class striker and coming off the back of. The Euros campaign where, yeah, he started poorly, but in the end, he, uh, he managed to rack up, was it, what, four or five goals in the in the tournament? So, yeah. 
might not have even been that actually, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Enjoyed that. That's true. It's very true. It's very true. Cool. All right, then I guess we'll leave it there then for this week. Yeah, it's been, it's been great to have you on, Mike. Yeah, Thank Mike, you so much. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure, man. No, no worries. Thanks for having me, man. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Man, we hope, well, I hope you stay up. I, I think guess. we're all going to be supporting yeah. Watford now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Watford fans now. Come on, Dennis. Yeah. Well, we'll be looking out for them results, <laughs> definitely. And, it, and if not, mate, don't worry. I'll go and protest outside of Burnley's stadium to get them relegated myself. <laughs> Scumbags. So, I can count on you, Joe. No worries. Got you, man. Always. You know it. But yeah, guys, yeah, right, um, obviously... Follow us on Spotify. Obviously, this will go up on YouTube as well. Thank you so much for the support. And um, also, if you go on to Spotify and type in Voice of the Vic, that's where you can find Mike and his mates doing the um, podcast for Watford. Incredible cut podcast. Really good. Really enjoyable. Easy to listen to. Like I highly recommend it, boys. So, thank you so much. Yeah. Bye, guys. <laughs>